It takes a village to raise a child. We all know that, right? But what happens if you can't find your village? Because raising your child is really, really tough. What if you are so filled with shame and doubt and guilt and fear of judgment that you don't share your triumphs and your struggles? You don't talk about it because you don't think anyone can possibly relate. Well, I've been there and it was really hard for me to find my tribe. So I decided to make mine. I went out and found these amazing mothers who are also in the trenches, struggling to raise their kids. Together, we are a community. And in this podcast on the hard days, you'll find motivating stories from other real moms who get it. We're going to accept who we are and how we show up for our children each and every day, even on the hard days. I'm going to be doing my very first webinar. I hate the word webinar. It's terrible. I literally Googled synonyms of webinars and still couldn't find anything I liked. So I'm going to call it a mom talk because I have something I want to talk about and that's burnout. After talking with you guys, so many of you via email, in my DMs, in Mothers Together, in Mothers Evolve, in in all the places, over the last two years, I have talked to hundreds and hundreds of moms raising neurodivergent kids. And really when it comes down to it, there's a pattern that is very clear to me, which is burnout. We are burned out. We are emotionally burned out, you know, emotionally drained to the core, physically burned out often, just mentally burned out. We're just done. We're done. But yet we put one foot in front of the other every day and we show up for our children the best way we can, the only way we know how to, and we hope that we're doing a good job, which of course, by the way, you are doing an amazing job if no one's told you that today. But the fact is burnout is not good. And I know it. I felt it many times. It leads to anxiety. It leads to depression. And we cannot show up for our children at all. And so after talking with moms for almost two years now, I've started to see these patterns of what burnout looks like, of, of why it exists, of how it exists. And to be honest with you, I don't feel burnt out anymore. I used to for years, but I don't. And so I took the time to sort of hash out why I don't feel burned out anymore. I realized that there are some things that I have been doing in my life on a regular basis that have changed my level of burnout to where I feel, dare I say, fully functional 99% of the time. And so I want to bring you these tips, these strategies that are small. They're small little things that you can do tomorrow, today, right now, to avoid getting to that full burnout mode. So I am giving my very first mom talk on Zoom totally free in December. It's actually going to be Friday, December 9th at 8 p.m. Eastern time. It will be recorded. So if you sign up to join me, but you can't make it, you can absolutely get the recording. Although I'd love to see you there live. I'm going to be doing some giveaways. Um, I'm super excited. I've never done this before, but it feels right. I have a message about burnout for moms of neurodivergent kids, and I need to get it into your ears. So I would love for you to join me for this webinar in December for free so we can hang out and we can talk and I can share with you the number one way to avoid burnout and you can start it immediately. 
To sign up for this webinar, I mean mom talk, go to ontheharddays.com forward slash mom talk. That's ontheharddays.com forward slash mom talk. I cannot wait to see you there. I'm super excited. Thanks for, again, all of your endless support throughout the last two years. I am so, so appreciative. Welcome back, my friends, to the On the Hard Days podcast, and I am thrilled that today is Friday, and Friday means Father Fridays. This is something brand new that I've started where I am talking with a dad, a dad of a neurodivergent kid, so that he can share his story and and sort of his perspective on what it's like um, in this fatherhood journey. Oh my gosh. Uh, so far, I've talked to a few dads, and, and these episodes are fantastic, and it's it's really just fascinating to hear where their brains are at. And so my first comment to you is, while you're listening to this, think about if you know any dads of neurodivergent kids who you think might be interested in sharing their story. And, and they may say no at first, because it is a podcast for mothers. I would highly recommend that you share this episode with a dad. And if they're feeling comfortable and brave, send me a DM or an email so I can get them on the podcast. So right now, Father Fridays is is just a series. We've got it for a few weeks because I had a couple of dads wanting to connect with me. Uh, But it's not a regular thing unless we have enough dads who want to do it. So feel free to send the podcast their way. Um, And by the way, as you guys may know, I am very uh, hard at work on reaching a 100,000 download goal by the end of January, 2023. So the best way to help me reach that 100,000 download goal is to, number one, make sure you've subscribed to the podcast so that your device will automatically download new episodes. Um, Number two, share the show with others. I mean, of course, family and friends, but think therapists, pediatricians, teachers, anybody who you think might benefit from hearing what it is like from mom's and now dad's perspectives in raising neurodivergent kids. And number three, leave a rating or review for the show if you would be so kind. Um, With Apple, for example, the Apple algorithm will push the show out to more moms who need that support and validation. Um, I thank you so, so very much for your continued support. And now, on to the episode. So I am thrilled to have David Palmer on the show. And the first thing that I need to say, and I just mentioned it to you, David, is that you are the very first dad that I have recorded with for this series about what it's like as a dad to raise a neurodivergent child. So first of all, thank you for being so brave and coming on to this mostly mothers-based show. <laughs> no, I'm honored. Thank you for for having me. Oh, I'm so excited. I I'm beyond excited, actually. I'm thrilled. So First of all, we're going to start from the beginning like I do with moms and just say, hey, tell me a little bit about you and your family and your your kids, um, and we'll go from there. Sure. I am the oldest brother of three other siblings and grew up in the North Bay Area here in California and had a an interesting time growing up. Um, never fit in well, got picked on a lot when I was a kid. Um struggled with a lot of things, but I didn't know anything about neurodivergence. I, I didn't think that um, there wasn't anything not typical about me, but you know, I just struggled middle school, uh, junior high a lot, and then um, moved to Southern California out here in the Coachella Valley. So I've been here for a lot of years now, uh, and that's where I met my wife. 
And then we got married in 1995 and we have six children and it's a, it's a journey, you know, with the six kids. Um, our oldest is 30 and she's married. Uh, and then we have a 17 year old, a 15 year old, a 13 year old, an 11 year old and a 10 year old. And the five youngest are all adopted. So, um, so we're raising these amazing kids. Um, and honestly, you know, I, I could not even be on this podcast without my wife. She is an amazing mom. You got to have her on sometime, Megan, because she is she is amazing. Um, so I wouldn't even be here without her and, and working together as a team. Um, so that's and then I also work at a school as a learning needs specialist. So I get to work at a K-12 private school supporting and helping kids and their um, and their families get the educational supports they need to to thrive at school. Wow. Oh my gosh. So I love when I meet other people who work in schools and I just finished my 15th year of uh, teaching last spring. Nice. Um, and it's a whole, it's a whole world opens up in the school system. Um, you had mentioned before, and I just want to touch on this briefly, that you struggled in middle school, which of course, middle school is such a hard time anyway. Mm -hmm. Were those more like academic struggles or behavioral or, or what sort of struggles did you mean? They were more social emotional. Like I said, I got picked on a lot at school and particularly in eighth grade, we moved to a whole different city, a whole different school. I didn't know anybody. Um, and yeah, it was, was the target of a lot of being made fun of bullying. They stole my bike seat on the first day of school. Um, yeah, pre some pretty traumatic experiences there. Um, and so there was a lot where I didn't know how to deal with it emotionally. And I've always been more of an anxious person and more of a person that doesn't always fit in socially. I think I'm functionally an introvert. So it made it tough because I didn't have a lot of a lot of good friends, but I always had very, very supportive teachers. And I think that's what made the difference in my life. Even teachers in middle school at that eighth grade um, saw that I was having a rough go at it and offered to buy me some some orange juice and a talk. And so the support of my teachers, um, particularly was was really important for me. And when I'm thinking about that specifically, now fast forward many years, you have neurodivergent children of your own. And I'm wondering if those teachers perhaps played a role in the back of your mind somewhere as you are now parenting kids who might be struggling in different areas. Do you feel like that played a role at all? Oh, huge. Um, it wasn't until... Well, so at, at, as a teacher, I taught for many years high school science and did that. Um, and then I was thinking about getting my master's degree in education. And my wife said, well, why don't you get a doctorate since you already have your master's degree? And I always wanted to get a doctorate, but never had the opportunity. So I enrolled in a doctoral program for curriculum and instruction, but in secondary education. And shortly after that, it just dawned on me uh, with the encouragement of my wife, why don't I switch over into special education? Because I noticed even as a teacher, so many students were struggling socially, emotionally, 
uh, academically as well that, but I didn't have any of the tools to really help them. And seeing as my own children were growing up and starting to demonstrate some struggles, you know, the light bulb was like, ding, here we go. Um, so I switched and, and went to uh, focus in special education. I uh, took a year off from teaching during the pandemic. And then the school where I taught had actually invited me back and said, hey, are you still working on your doctorate in special ed? I said, yes. He said, would you like to to get a job here? Because because of COVID and everything, there was a lot of uh, learning loss and, and a lot of needs for support. And I said, absolutely. And so now that's that's my focus. And I love working in the school setting because the teachers had made such an impact in my life. And now I get to help teachers make impact in others' lives. That's that's my teacher story too. And I love that so much. And I feel like I'm guessing that you, those those skills that you have as an educator absolutely translate at home. And I'm wondering if you ever, I mean, you're talking so um, confidently, which is amazing. What are your secrets? But like, I'm sure you must've had some struggles at first with neurodivergent children in realizing that they might struggle too. Absolutely. We, we had a, a mentality. Well, our, our oldest grew up and was a, was a hard worker. Even to this day, she's an amazing hard worker, did well in school. And she was actually 17 when we started bringing in the kids and foster care and then eventually adopting them all. So we had, and then in the, in the community in which we, we lived and socialized, um, you know, we, we didn't talk much about neurodivergence. And so when we started bringing the kids into our home, we were thankful that they had 10 fingers and 10 toes and never, never heard until later on when we started seeing things happening, never heard of things that happen with trauma and bringing kids in adopted. And even if you bring them home from the hospital, you there's going to be that trauma. And so we had no idea, tried some of our old school parenting, you know, the way our parents parent us. And we're, we were like, no, this isn't working. So immediately had and my wife is a researcher she loves to to look up articles and and find out what's going on so we can support and she is a huge advocate for our kids as well so it was surprising because we really didn't know much at all and so now and here's what i would like to say is that we need to have grace on ourselves as parents of neurodivergent kids because there's I heard someone say uh, recently, there's there's no manual for raising kids, but there's definitely not for neurodivergent kids. And with some of the more hidden disabilities, which our kids have, I mean, they're they're strong physically in that. Again, ten fingers, ten toes, you know, some minor health things, but mostly mostly healthy. It wasn't until later on they got older, especially going to school, where we saw many of the areas that they were struggling in. I've so a couple things. I have had a couple people on the podcast um over the last almost two years who have uh, fostered and adopted children, and they all talk about that. They talk mm-hmm. about trauma and where that line is from trauma to to neurodivergence, and it's totally blends. Um mm-hmm. that's a whole conversation in itself and just 
what those children have gone through and then what you have gone through in bringing them into your home. And that there's, there's a whole piece there. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm wondering, you mentioned you guys started off using sort of traditional old school parenting tactics and I did the same thing. Um, what kinds of things were you doing that totally did not work? Oh, well, all the, all the typical things, I mean, you know, timeouts, um, taking things away. You know, we started to discover taking, you know, when I was a kid, if I got something taken away, uh, and I grew up in the era of spanking, so I got spanked when I was a kid, there was still a sense of, oh, I did something wrong. I, I, I messed up. But when you start taking things away from your neurodivergent kids and they say, I don't care, go ahead, take away everything. You're like, this isn't working. This isn't going to work. Um, so that's kind of where we were at, you know, with the more of the the punishment, the negative uh, reinforcements, you know, if you guys don't do this and, and we're not going to Disneyland or whatever those, those tactics are. And a lot of times, you know, you realize that you're trying to control your their behavior but ultimately it's because you feel a moment of inadequacy or or that you don't know what's going on so especially in public i remember we would see families with kids who had social emotional struggles and you know the tantrums and things and it's very easy to look at that and go wow you know i i I would be a better parent than that or i don't know what these guys are doing but they're sure awful parents and then you parent neurodivergent kids and you're like oh my gosh i get it now and so there's so much more empathy for our kids for other parents and and we need to have empathy for ourselves we're we're doing what we can it's hard and you feel defeated and there's many times we we get ready to go to sleep at night and we're crying and it's it's hard but i'm thankful for people around us who have helped us and said you know what you guys are doing an amazing job have some empathy have some compassion on yourselves because this isn't easy but it's worth mm, so good there's so much good stuff in there um I'm thinking about, and I have to ask uh, a tough question, and that is a lot of moms that I talk to, their partners, typically men, typically husbands, are not always on board. And I, they don't, they're not sure how to to fix that, number one. But number two, Mm -hmm. there seems to be... um, the moms that I talk to, they are able to switch gears. Okay, this isn't working, so we're going to try this. They do the research, and a lot of their partners say, "But they're so you know, kids are supposed to listen when we." They get stuck in the old fashioned, and then there's a disconnect, and that creates a lot of issues. And so, I guess my question for you is, do, do, what are your thoughts on that? Is that something that you think is uh, a male societal issue or what made you not that way? You know, what, why are you so open to change and understanding? Well, I, I definitely grew up in an era, both at school and at home where it was unspoken, but boys don't cry. Boys are supposed to be tough. 
you just uh, you know, rub some dirt on it, get up. And, and, and I, I'm a big fan of teaching our kids resiliency. I'm huge on that. But I think it wasn't even on my radar until I started to discover my own needs. So my own vulnerabilities, my own weaknesses, and that's, that's a, hard, a hard place to get to because we are often in our culture especially as men, you know, you, you are the provider raise, you know, you got to pull up your bootstraps. You've got to be the strong one. Um, and so I think it's harder because you have to first be willing to accept your own failures and vulnerabilities. I don't have it all together. I don't, I don't have all the answers. And then for my wife, Laura and I, we, we are very different personalities, which is cool because it, it, brings a balance so there's there's things in parenting um that we both kind of complement each other with and so we always kind of do a fist pump and go team palmer because i see i see how much it affects her when our kids are struggling and in turn that affects me and and then knowing that we're walking through this journey together, I think you have to have a humility and say, as a dad, this may not be what I'm comfortable with. This may not be what I'm used to. This may not be how I grew up, or this may not be how society views it. And I'm very thankful that in our culture, more and more media is, is and more and more celebrities and, and voices are coming out, especially men saying, hey, I have mental health struggles. You know, it's, it's going to take a while still. But when I could not conquer my mental health issues on my own and I saw my own vulnerability and then I see the vulnerability in my children and that, you know, it's a calling to bring them in. And we made that decision together as mom and dad. Um, and then even with our oldest, again, you know, she was graduating high school kind of as the other ones were coming in, but we always, we always tried to come together as a team. And so I think my encouragement for, for moms is one stay the course because me growing up, my dad worked, my mom was a stay at home mom and the stability of my mom to raise three rambunctious boys and and be that stability um you know moms stay the course but dads i think by and large need to really do what my dad did when we were a little bit older and he invested in each one of us in our areas of strength and interest and we were able to build a bond with dad and i try to do that the best i can with my own kids um so when our oldest was growing up you know being out there with with her on t-ball and all that kind of stuff later on um with the other kids we try to engage in them where their interests are and that really is is huge and something i'm a, a huge proponent of um so my dad did that and i think that was a, a tremendous role model for me and so if dads don't know where to start with their neurodivergent children it just sit down and really get to know who they are what are their strengths instead of just looking at what they can't do we need to focus more on what they can do 
and just meet them at those strengths. And so if it's building Lego sets together, if it's going out in the yard and playing, you know, basketball, shooting hoops together. And I'm blessed in my job to see dads doing that and investing and seeing the the response and the longing of the children for that as well. Um, and and never taking never taking mom for granted. And it's not her job to take care of the kids and your job to do this. No, we're in this together. And I know my wife deeply appreciates when I'm there just to support her, not only as a dad, but as a husband. Oh my gosh. You're amazing. You're you're awesome. (laughs) You you are awesome. Um, You said a lot of things in there that, um, very much touch upon my own thoughts and the thoughts of so many moms who I talk to. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head, especially with the part about the vulnerability. And for so many men specifically, I think getting to that point is the hardest part. Once you've, once you're able, I think this for women as well, just for people in general, but once you're able to acknowledge vulnerability and and weakness, I guess, of, in a sense, then you can say, well, what's the next step? And so many are kind of blindsided. We're not going to help our children with by, by means of a doctor or um, they're fine just how they are. And you just need to crack down. And um, and I think I don't I don't personally think that many of them actually feel that way. I think you said it. It's more about maybe being scared of 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 what's to come or resorting to an old, an old sort of defensive mechanism just to say, well, I know we're just going to nip this bad behavior in the butt, you know, that sort of thing. Um, seems like you, you were able to glide through that part of the process pretty well. (laughs) I I mean, okay. So let's be, let's be real, Megan. Let's pull pull the veil off. Right. This is too good. You know, I, I get, I, you know, we've learned a lot. So I, I, I do have a lot of experience. I do have, I think, some wisdom in this. But the reality is the thing I think I mo- appreciate most about all six of my my children uh, is that they are a mirror into my own struggles. So I, I am not always patient. I tend to be sarcastic with them. I tend to not always want to sit down and hash through the whole drama of the school day. I get tired. I, you know, and so it's not easy. It's hard. And I think for me, these last two years in this job has made it harder because I am such an empathetic person and I'm a fixer. I think that's who I am. Part of that is because of my ADHD and my people pleasing and my rejection sensitive dysphoria, which means I don't want to be rejected and I don't want people to be mad at me and I don't want to disappoint people or have people think any less of me, you know, and and so we can say to our kids, oh, it doesn't matter what people think. And I, I got that advice when I was growing up. It doesn't matter what people think. But it does, and it hurts me more because of these things that are going on inside my brain that aren't my fault. I was born with this and and yet, you know, still struggle with it. And so, yeah, it's it's not all, you know, the Palmer home is not all roses and everybody comes in. I mean, we have 
everything, the meltdowns, and then we get frustrated and they're yelling and then we're trying to raise our voice to make more of an emphasis. And then we have to just kind of, so we're learning so much along the way, but I get tired too, you know, and it, it's as a fixer, it's not always a good thing because I sometimes can even end up enabling people from growing themselves because I'm always there to fix it. So I don't know if you've ever seen the show New Amsterdam, but the the Max, the guy who runs New Amsterdam Hospital on TV, you know, his his favorite tagline is, how can I help? And that's how I always see myself. How can I help? But then I also realized that it's great that I have a job where I can get paid doing that. But I also have to remind myself that my children are my first priority. So I can't help all these other families. And let me tell you, it's harder to help your own children. You know, the prophet is not welcome in their hometown. So, you know, I could sit with students and parents at, at school and I can say, hey, maybe try this, this. Oh, okay, I'll do that. You know, at home, it's like, well, let's stop and breathe. I don't want to breathe, you know. And so it takes it takes a lot more patience and it takes a lot more humility and it takes a lot more self-realization that they're actually expressing on the outside how I am on the inside, but because I'm an adult, I can't throw a tantrum at school, but I still have those same feelings. So I even encourage dads and moms, just step back for a moment and think about what it was like when you were a kid. I mean, did you really enjoy those methods? Did they really work? What really worked? You know, you see on the outside what they're feeling on the inside, but you also struggle with those things on the inside. And so again, it builds that that empathy and that connection where you can really get to a point of having genuine love for your kids, no matter how difficult it is. Mm. And that I think comes from genuine love for yourself. You have to, like you said, that's vulnerability, but you also have to accept yourself for who you are as a person Mm -hmm. in order to Mm -hmm. then view your children in the same Mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about, what it's like in a, a a partnership where you and your wife are, especially with six kids, tag teaming. Um, I know in my own marriage, especially when my children were younger, that that those meltdowns can be so overwhelming and overstimulating that it's almost, it's hard to find the divide. You take this and I'll take that. We just need to try that. No, that didn't work. And, and I think raising neurodivergent kids brings this extra layer of um, mm. marital strife um has that been an issue for you guys before you mean towards us as a couple yes in terms of how you're parenting the kids yeah we we have two very different parenting styles i am a more passive natural consequence parent so my thing is if if my kid with adhd this is on playing the video game too long and doesn't get things done, schoolwork done, well, they're going to deal with the natural consequences. My wife's more a a, uh, a parent who, no, we need to tell him, get off of the, get off of the, <laughs> the device and do your homework. So there's still in me a lot of, I avoid conflict at all costs. And so I think in my mind, I see that conflict, um, so we need that, we need my wife, I mean, our, 
if it were left up to me, it, we'd be in big trouble. I mean, she's very structured. She's very organized. She's very creative. Um, she, it's just amazing. I can't go on and on about her. But um, so there's that point. And then so, you know, sometimes I'll think, oh, you're being maybe too hard on them. She's thinking, no, maybe you're being too soft on them. Um, and so we have to we have to communicate a lot. And I have to be humble enough to learn a lot and see when she tells me things, you know, early in our marriage, if she would tell me things, I'd be very offended or I'd get mad or all of that. Now I say, I, I need to know, I need to see, I need to, to learn. Still can be stubborn at times, and but we have such a good working relationship together that it's not about our egos and it's not about who's going to be, you know, the top. It, it's more about what do we need to do together for the sake and support of our kids so there's there's a lot of times you have to have those discussions but then also what has helped us a lot is we have the blessing of having pretty much we're in soccer season now but pretty much every friday we will have a date night so my wife and i go out by ourselves and you know again it's the oxygen mask thing if if we don't take care of ourselves then it's you know it's much more difficult to try to to support our kiddos and so you know i've even talked to to parents um through the school and they said well we don't know we can't get afford a babysitter we can't do this or that and i get it because it's hard um but there are even other things that i think we need to creatively do as as couples or as partners that we can make sure we're getting not only our individual self-care time, but our time together where it's not having to take care of the kids or because everyone needs a little bit of that break. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. And I know it's hard to put in nights out. My husband and I struggle mm -hmm. with that too. Actually, I would say that he is a little more passive and go with the flow. And he'd say, oh, it'll be fine. Like, let's just, and I'm like, no, but the kids need this and this and then the schedules. And yeah, so, um, and it's it's hard to come to that agreement, especially I can be perfectly vulnerable enough to say that one of the marital struggles that we have had, and especially when my son was younger, was I don't think, I don't think my husband felt like he was high enough on on the pole of needs, and he's right. I found myself at the bottom, but I placed all you know the children so high because the needs were so strong that he was just like one extra person I needed to take care of, and that's not what I want. Um, and that, that was a rough go, but he didn't see it the same way. And so I wondered, you know, are you just not putting the kids high enough on the list? How come, how come you don't see it? Like I see it, or is it just a difference in personality? And, um, I, I think that, I don't know, raising neurodivergent kids brings up a whole host of topics that might not otherwise come up or be discussed. Mm -hmm. Um, but mm -hmm. just listening to you, 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 both of you sound so, um, inspirational really on how you are raising many children with traumatic backgrounds um, with neurodivergent struggles but as a team a partnership um, and you must have come to that as a decision at some point like yep two of us we're, we're a team we're gonna do this yeah i think out of necessity because <laughs> after you know after seeing you know that one of us couldn't handle it alone we needed each other so i don't know if there was ever like a you know a, a high five that made it happen or whatever but yeah we we definitely and again we've been married for 20 
I should know this, huh? 28 years. And <laughs> wow, that's amazing. And and still pull back the veil. I mean, it's it's yeah. not roses every day. And it's hard sometimes because of my own struggles. I you know, I, I actually will take the time and, and I've had in the past to, to see a therapist or a counselor so I can vent, vent or I could talk to somebody else because what can become hard is mom dealing with all the neurodivergent things going on and then now her husband is kind of putting that on as well. She's not my therapist, she's my wife. So there have been times where we've had to make a decision that I, I need to go to therapy and I need to have somebody to talk to and work through some of these things because um, that's the healthy thing for our relationship. And again, I know it's maybe hard for some guys to say, you know, I, I don't need anybody's help. I can do this. I can figure this out. But even if it's a friend or, or somebody that you can talk to about things that you don't obviously you want to talk to your wife but you know i guess you understand what i'm saying is that she's not your therapist though and and so you got to be careful to preserve um those boundaries as well and likewise i think on both sides and we're still always every day trying to figure out how it works and but every day we can lay our heads on the pillow and wake up to a new day and you know there's going to be new surprises in store but here we are I'm super just inspired, um, very, very touched by both of you, just your view on life and on raising children. Um, it's positive. I would love to be a child in your home. It just seems like a warm and loving and caring place just by just by talking to you. Um, I would say, you know, what what's your current biggest challenge as the father of neurodivergent kids? I mean, you have so much sort of I wouldn't say figured out, but you know what I mean? You, you've, you've got a lot going well for you. What are your, what are your challenges still now? I think as I shared before energy, making sure I have energy for my kids when I come home from work, because a few of them are homeschooled and a few of them go to the school where I work at. Uh, so I want, I, I want to have the energy and the patience and I don't always have the energy and patience them being at school takes a lot. They hold in a lot at school. And so when they come home, it's a safe place, but it's kind of, here comes, you know, all of the emotions and the frustrations. So it's hard because dealing, dealing with my own fatigue and then knowing that there's going to be care and tending and, you know, sometimes I'm like, I, I, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to, I, I can't, I can't take another thing today. And that's a rotten feeling. And so I have to continue to learn and I have not mastered this at all, how to best use my time and energy on the things that are going to be important and say no to the things that aren't. And that's always a struggle for me. Um, it's always a struggle for me to have to say no to the kids. Cause again, I, I feel like I don't like that rejection, but I have to say, no, there's an incident today where one of them wanted to go to a friend's house and no, and it's, it's, it's hard for me. And I still struggle with that because even growing up, 
that sensitivity to being told no or that it's it's just very strong so there are a lot of of areas i think a lot of the challenges are more personal in a lot of ways and i think having to work through those is always very humbling and, and very hard but um you know we see a ton of great things with our kids and they're so creative and talented and i mean we can go on and on and on with all of their strengths so it really is they really are a blessing and i've probably learned more from them than the other way so i am very grateful for this opportunity to um be able to share this with you guys and to be able to kind of open the veil a little bit and share what's what's going on if you came it, it wouldn't be yeah you know, like i said it wouldn't be everything's perfect in order you'd probably see all kinds of chaos and things and yet um it's a beautiful thing yeah, I you I hear love. I mean, the love is is so strong. And I guess what I'm taking away from this conversation, first of all, that you are awesome, um, and that your family sounds awesome. And I think you were just a wonderful person and a wonderful dad. Um, but also, the the things that you struggle with are are not far from what the moms struggle with. You mm-hmm. know, I feel like there's the disconnect. My partner doesn't understand. He he doesn't get it, and maybe that's true in some cases. But in in other cases, maybe we're we're just not giving each other enough credit that mm-hmm. you, we're all struggling. This is hard for everyone. It's going to come out in different ways depending on the person. Um, but the things that you shared are very very similar to what I went through, and and you know what many moms do as well. So we're not we're not all that different. No. <laughs> um, I don't think at all in this journey. No. Nope. Wow. It's been amazing. Anything else that you want to say about raising neurodivergent kids? <laughs> <laughs> uh, how much more so time many, do we I, have? I, no. <laughs> I, I, I love it. And and like I said, it, it, it's carried into my work. And, it, you know, if I can encourage, if my wife can encourage more people, um, you know, there's things on the horizon for even expanding and building a business to help students get supports but school but also advocacy and 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 just sitting around with group the parents and and being able to say hey we get it we're all we're all in the same place and i think that's so important because yeah when you're when you're only looking in the house it's very easy to become discouraged and so when you have other people especially those who are going through the journey with you that you can say, hey, I did, hey, that's, yeah, okay, that's good. You know, it, it, it's just so much more helpful. So, um, yeah, things on the horizon for us to possibly be able to to share our story and to be able to provide supports and helps to teachers. That's a whole nother area, you know, helping our mm-hmm. teachers. We're talking yeah. about moms and parents, but helping yeah. teachers become more aware of neurodivergence and and having the tools that they need and the empathy and compassion to, to help them. So there's a lot of work to do. Um, and I'm just grateful to be a part of it. Yeah. And you are the perfect person to be, to do to be doing that. Of course, well, as you. long as you remember to put yourself first and towards the top of that pile too, I'm a fixer mm-hmm. as well and a recovering people pleaser. And um, you just want to make people happy and realizing that, you know, 
you need to be happy first. Um, but coming back to that sense of you have so many gifts to offer the world. So I'm excited to see where it goes, but you're also a, a fantastic dad and husband. So oh, thanks, David, I, this was awesome. Um, I had no idea what to expect from having a dad on and um, you're a wonderful first person to start with. So oh, thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. Thanks for listening today. If you would like to talk with me personally, where we can chat and just get to know each other like old friends, I would love to do a discovery call with you. Go to my website, ontheharddays.com, and click on Schedule a Call. And if you're not already subscribed to this podcast, please do so so that you get the latest when they roll out. Not to mention, please leave a review if you feel like this episode spoke to you. That way, the podcast will be shown to more mothers. And finally, you can find me on Instagram at on the hard days with dots in between each word or in my free Facebook community, On the Hard Days Podcast and Community. If you are feeling isolated in your parenting journey, I encourage you to reach out through any of these means so that I can connect you with your people and support you in whatever way you need.